Thank you. That was beautiful. Victoria and Rose. Uh, did I see the Angelos in here? They are back there. Yeah, Eduardo and Cindy uh, visiting from Portugal. Would you stand so that we can just see you and say, everybody turn around and say, good morning, Angelos. All right. <laughs> Welcome. They have a table. They're going to speak tonight and, and, uh, and talk about their, their ministry, the different things that the Lord is doing there in Portugal. And they have a table out in the foyer with a lot of stuff. Connect with them if, if you haven't already. And, um, and they will be an encouragement to you and you can encourage them as well. I do invite you to turn back to that chapter four of Paul's letter to the Ephesian church the book of Ephesus, uh, book of Ephesians, um, the end there of chapter four. That's our text for today. Let me say, you know, we, we all know that we ought to read from the Bible every day, right? Um, we know we ought to get even a little bit of God's word into us day by day because there is a spiritual power that comes from our willing engagement with what God has to say. Uh, our opening ourselves to his word creates opportunity for this, this catalytic event to happen between God's spirit and our spirit that, that pushes us forward spiritually. Um, that, that growth, that doesn't just happen on its own. You know, it doesn't happen by osmosis. You don't just lay down with the Bible under your pillow and imagine it all floats north <laughs> to your head. Growth in faith requires some intentionality on, on our part, even if that is as simple a thing as choosing to, as God's Spirit said to Augustine, take up and read. Um, so, so we all know we ought to read at least a bit of the Bible every day. And there's lots of strategies for doing that. You know, uh, there's, there's Bible reading calendars. We have some at the Welcome Center. Uh, these calendars suggest passages day by day. There's devotional books. There's topical studies. There's online tools. There's blogs and podcasts. Some of them will even read the Bible to you. Um, here's one strategy I have found uh, helpful and, and interesting in, in, in Bible reading. Reading the Bible in order to determine in just one sentence, you have to fit it into one sentence, why the writer wrote the book or the letter that you read. Um, see if you can read. It works particularly in the letters, you know, but, but it, it works throughout Scripture, but particularly in the letters. Try to read the letter, Paul's letter, you know, Peter, whatever, in order to determine. Just one sentence. You have to shorten it into one sentence. Why the writer wrote this. In preparing for today, I tried that with, with Ephesians. And um, I think Paul's main point is to communicate to that group of believers that God's great work and, and purpose in Jesus is to bring all things and all peoples back together. That's, that's just my opinion. You may disagree. You read Ephesians and you tell me what you think. But, but he expresses it kind of specifically in chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. That Jesus is God's way to the, the reunification and the restoration of all creation. Including us. 
including you and me. Jesus is not only the center of all things, but he is also the glue that holds all things together. I think that's Paul's main point here. And that is significant because he is writing to a people who are experiencing extraordinary disunity and disharmony. Uh, that, that is the world in which Paul lived. And of course, it's still the world in which we live today. Um, apart from Jesus, wherever Jesus is neglected or ignored, there's division and there's separation. And there's fragmentation. It happens in the cosmos. It happens in nature. It happens between persons. It happens within persons. And it happens between God and persons. Um, But God did not create the world to be like that. And so he sent Jesus to repair it. Which is why Jesus is the one, the only one, who can bring restoration to these fragmented, damaged, broken relationships. That is, I think, the message that Paul is writing to the the people uh, at Ephesus. Uh, It was a church, a people of largely Gentile converts, who, who, you see, did not have the spiritual background of the Jews. Paul is writing them here an announcement of hope. He's given them hope. He's declaring that it's God's desire, it's God's purpose that we find harmony and unity in life and in death and in relationship with one another. And that comes through the person of Jesus Christ. E.F. Scott put it this way. He said, all of the many broken strands of our world are to be knotted together again in Christ, restored to the way God created them in the beginning. So that was, that's big news to those Gentiles to whom Paul was writing, you see. Now, it was, I mean, it's news to Jews, too, that Jesus is the one. Um, but it was world-changing news to those Gentile Christians because they did not have a concept of this, this long-term concept of Savior and Redeemer and Restoration and Messiah that the Jews had. They didn't have that. To their understanding, the world was just always going to be broken like it is. But that's not the case. Paul says, God is bringing our world back together through Jesus. That's the gospel. Good news. It's God's good news for the world. Okay, if that's the main point, how do those verses of chapter 4 then fit into that? Um, Well, As he does in nearly all things of life, God works with us in order to accomplish his purposes in the world. So if if we choose to receive the greater truth that Jesus is the centerpiece of the world's restoration and renewal, how does that then work itself out in individual lives? What part do we play? What's required of us to participate in that? That is the natural question that especially a non-Jew would ask at this point. And Paul's answer, and you can see how it progresses through, through the letter. Paul's answer is just this. We have to go all the way with Jesus. If we want to experience the fullness of God's restoration and renewal, 
If we want to receive God's maximum, then we can't just give Jesus our minimum. God has a lot to give, but he asks for all of us in order for us to receive what he has to give. That is the nature of working with God. He walks and he works with us as we will walk and work with him. We see this from Paul back uh, in verse 15. He begins to talk about it. He issues this call to grow up in our faith. You see, we all begin in Christ as immature, uh, spiritual infants. But, but we can't stay there. We're not supposed to stay there. We are called to move ahead. We're called to grow up into Christ for he is the head. Paul says, that holds everything together. See, we get the image again. If we want to experience restoration and unity, not just around us, but also within us. If we want to experience unity within us, here's the thing. If you accept Christ, but then you do not care to live in obedience to him, that is one of the most tense places a person can live. Because God is trying to pull you along, but you're saying, no, 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 no. And there's this tension in your life all the time. If we want to experience that unity, internal unity, we have to move forward with Jesus. And you see, we can't do that by making the same choices as we did before coming to Christ. Uh, Paul writes in in verse 17 there, you you can't be in Christ, but just keep living the same way that you lived before. You you can't do that. You were once ignorant, Paul says. I'm not saying that about you. Paul is. (laughs) You You were once ignorant. You didn't know who Jesus is and what God is up to in him. But now Paul says, you do. You Gentiles at Ephesus, now you know. And so you can't go backward. Now we have to keep moving forward with God if we want to be restored. To the point that Paul writes there in verse 22, that the old self must be put off. The work God is up to in us and in our world is nothing short of total change. It's a a new way of existing, of living, and of looking at life. You see, God, God is not out to just improve us a little bit here and there. Through Christ, God is out to transform us completely. And the metaphor that Paul uses there in verses 22 through 24 is this change of clothing thing. But it's not, you need to know, it's not just about what's on the outside. That's, that's, a, that's a metaphor. That's a, uh, it's not just what's outside. Paul's talking about a change that reaches deep into our mind and deep into our soul, changing how we think and how we process reality. And how we evaluate good and bad. He says a deep change needs to happen. That's how we will survive difficult days. Not by just, you know, hunkering down and muddling through in our own power. But instead by working with God in his recreation of us. Taking off those ways in which we used to live when we were ignorant of Jesus. And putting on the ways of Christ. And that requires decisions from us, from you and me. It requires the decision, once for all, to trust Christ, 
to forgive us of our sin. And then it requires these daily decisions to follow Jesus with our lives, to clothe ourselves with Christ. Will we follow Jesus in this or that, or will we fall back into our old clothes, our former patterns of thought and behavior that were based on our ignorance of Jesus? Those are the decisions that we have to make. Over and over, these next few verses there, Paul gives examples of what it means to put on and then to live in the new clothes of Jesus. In verse 25, look at him there. He mentions speaking truthfully and not falsely. Choosing truth. That's one. Verse 26, he says to deal forthrightly with anger, never allowing it to cause us to act in sinful ways. You know, the truth is there is a place for anger in Christ, but never for a sinful outcome. That's the line. That's the care that we have to use. See, these are totally new ways of thinking and, and being. All of it involves this upending, by the, by the power of Christ, the effects of the fall within us. God will help us do these things, but we have to make the conscious choice to work with him. Verse 28, Paul says that those in Christ must replace any patterns of theft with patterns of work. Get rid of the entitlement mentality. That is not of Christ. We're not to expect others to provide for us, but instead we're to choose to work and to provide not only for our own needs, but for those who are truly in need. Different mindset. New clothes. New clothes. Verse 29 talks of controlling our speech, putting on words that build other people up, and taking off words that tear down those around us. And then in verse 31 there, Paul, in one sentence, <laughs> gathers up a whole raft of unchristian qualities that Christ's followers are to put off, take off. We're to take off bitterness. What's bitterness? It's that long-standing resentment that refuses to be reconciled with somebody else. You're bitter against that person. Paul says, Christ followers, you got to lose bitterness. The nursing of wrath. You got to lose it. We're to take off anger and rage. Rage here is, is described as the kind of flame that comes. Have you ever taken just a piece of really dry hay or dry straw and lit it? And it, it just flashes, it burns really fast, really bright, really fast, and then it just dies away. You know, it just consumes. That's rage. Anger, on the other hand, is rage over time that winds up becoming a part of us. Uh, Paul says we cannot live with ongoing anger and successfully follow Christ. He says we're also to take off the practices of of your your translation will tr there's a bunch of different translations of this. Mine translated it shouting and slander. It, it, that the first word that mine translates shouting it it's it's this harsh, critical, unkind words. It's it's somebody described it as loud, brash assertiveness that demands our way. Can you even imagine? what the world would be like without those sorts of things. If people only spoke softly and, and kindly, nearly all volatile situations would be diffused. 
Because Barclay says, the argument which must be supported by shout and insult is no real argument at all. Paul then says we're to get rid of every form of malice, which is sort of an all-inclusive word for evil behavior. Um, These are the practices, the ways, the clothing of the Christless that promote division and destruction in the world instead of reunification and restoration. Paul says we're to put them off. Christ followers are to put them off. Think about those things and consider how many people practice those sorts of behaviors today. How how pervasive they are in our world. In fact, they are the, the societally accepted and encouraged ways, more often than not, of politicians, newscasters, reporters, lawmakers, commentators. Nearly everywhere you look in our world, you get some form of bitterness, rage, anger, shouting, slander, and malice. Now, let me say this. Please understand that none of these are about the elimination of differences of opinion. Okay? Uh, There are enormous differences between unity and uniformity. They're not the same. Of course, differences are going to exist. What Paul is talking about here is how to think of and engage with other people. There's no doubt that Jesus will transform our opinions. But he goes much further than that. Jesus' purpose is to transform our attitudes and our manners so we might be his instruments of restoration in our world and with one another. I mean, I mean consider it. Jesus had every right to act with an air of superiority because he was absolutely right. In every instance and in every conflict. But he did not act in those ways. Though he had the right to. Jesus' manner was. Well, it's it's just as Paul says that our manner should be. Beginning there in verse 32. He's after taking off all those previous characteristics. We are to put on then. He names three things. Kindness, compassion, and forgiveness. Those happen to be the polar opposites of all that we are to take off. He does not want us running around naked. He wants us to put clothes on. But he wants us to put the opposite sort of clothes on. Kindness. First, that way of mind that thinks as much of the other as we think of ourselves. That's kindness. Where have we heard that before? Jesus, right? Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. Love others as much as you love yourself. That's kindness. Compassion or tender-heartedness. That's the opposite of harshness, brashness. It means that we feel for others. We feel for their well-being. And then forgiveness. Uh, Forgiving, forgiven. Those are the verb forms of grace. How do we show grace to someone else? We forgive them. We show favor to them, even though it's undeserved, which makes sense since there's no such thing as deserved favor. If grace is required, then something offensive must have been done, unfortunately, to require it, just as we have done to offend God. 
And there's the theological basis for what Paul writes here, you see, right there. We have offended God with our sin, you and I, but God in Christ has forgiven us. So in just that same way, we are, Paul says, to forgive those who have offended us. We're to extend kindness and compassion and forgiving grace to them. Those are the clothes of the Christ follower. Those are not the clothes of our culture. Those are not the clothes of our past. Those are not the clothes that we were born wearing. But those are the clothes of the Christ follower because those are the clothes of Jesus, who is the Christ. You see, we can't drag our old clothes of the old earthly kingdom with us into the kingdom of God. We can't do that. If we're in Jesus, we have moved. (laughs) We have moved. We live in another place now. And so we have another wardrobe we are to wear. And that is the image that, that, that Paul presents, which is why he wants to know, will we live in all Christ has for us by changing our clothes? Will we take off the old ways so that the new may be put on? That, Paul says, is growing up in Christ. That's the way to keep from being tossed back and forth by the ways of our world. And that is the way we, you and I, participate in the repair and the restoration and the reunification of our world. Both in here, (laughs) inside us, and out there. That is the way we participate in in what God is doing. Now, there's no doubt that these are trying times in which to live. But you see, in spite of the common practices of our society, in spite of what our society does, there is no amount of bitterness or whining or shouting or complaining or fighting that's going to make any difference, any good difference. Paul says we got to get past all that. We have to go all the way with Jesus, not just to salvation, but to transformation of the way we think of others and the way we speak of others and the way we engage with others. That is change at the, at the motive level down here. In a word, that is sanctification. It's working with God as his spirit purifies our heart. And it all comes down to this. Are we willing to change our spiritual clothes? Are we willing to take off bitterness toward others and let the Spirit of Christ bring kindness to our hearts? And are we willing to take off rage and anger toward others and let the Spirit of Christ bring compassion? Are we willing to give up harshness and slander and let the Spirit of Christ bring forgiveness? Are we willing to relinquish those clothes of days past? The ways the world works today, the way the world works all around us, are we willing to relinquish those and let God's Spirit work His ways in us? Aren't you... (laughs) Aren't you really just sick of being angry? I mean, people waste a lot of time being angry. A lot of energy is spent on being angry for nothing. For nothing. 
Aren't you exhausted for being bitter, bitter, you know, carrying a bitterness against somebody for weeks, months, maybe decades? Are you tired of holding that grudge that you've been holding against that person or, or that person or whatever? Are, are you tired of, of just carrying all that baggage through life? Don't you want to be done with division? God did not make us to live in any of those ways. That's why they wear on us. God didn't make us to live like that. And Jesus, can I say, did not die on the cross for us so that we might just stay that way. Jesus invites us to a place. He invites us to a place where we will give to him whatever remnant of our fallen world that we are still carrying. Whatever that is. Jesus invites us to give it up, to take it off and give it over to him and to receive what he has for us in its place. That is the way to real restoration, both, both out there, you know, but also in here. In here, he's got new clothes of kindness and compassion and forgiveness that he would like to fit to us. Do you need to let him do that today? Father, I believe that even now, you're pointing out some article of clothing in some of us, maybe most of us, that you would like to change out for something better, something far more fitting for your kingdom. It may be one of these that... that We've talked about, that Paul talks about here. Uh, It may be something completely different. Um, And there are likely some here today who are fighting you about that. Because they like their old clothes. They fit them. Or at least they think they fit them. Holy Spirit, would you capture those resistant hearts today? There are also those of us here today who are ready and willing for the change that you want to make. So, Father, on behalf of those, we take off that which displeases you so that you might clothe us with what will probably be its exact opposite. An attitude, a motive, a manner, a disposition, thoughts and words that are appropriate to your kingdom. Father, we invite you to clothe us as you would choose, that we might work with you in the restoration of your world. If the Lord is saying something to you this morning about one of these or about something else, please do not leave this place without saying yes to him. I will take that off. And I will, Holy Spirit, be clothed by you in clothes that fit the kingdom of God. If you need to come to the altar to do that, you're welcome. If you'd like to just stay and sit, you're welcome to do that as well. Uh, but we're going to sing, sing a song in closing about that. Um, listen for the Lord and for his spirit as he tries to speak today.